like old school Pastor Matt. If you have your Bibles, I want you to just lift them up and put them up in the air. I like to see the Bibles, yeah? Awesome, awesome. All right, so we got our Bibles. If we can turn to Genesis chapter 12. We've been going through the book of Genesis, uh, and it's been a really fun study. I've been enjoying it. We're going to read the first four verses of Genesis chapter 12, uh, and then I'm going to do uh, just a little backstory, and then we're going to dive in. But this is what it says, picking up Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. If you don't have your Bibles, you can read along with us. On the screen, it says this. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house. Go to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much. God, that you love us with the most amazing love that we could ever even try to imagine. God, we thank you that you love us so much that you gave us your son so we could have salvation. God, we thank you that you've given us your Holy Spirit so that we will be empowered to be witnesses for you. And God, we thank you that you have given us your word. God, this rule of faith and conduct by which we live. God, I pray that this morning you, by your Holy Spirit, you would speak to us through your word. God, that each and every single one of us would receive truth. And God, that we would be blessed by what your word has to say. God, that we would leave this place changed. God, I pray that none of these would be my words, but God, that you would speak through. And God, that your perfect word would transform hearts and lives. So God, we thank you and we praise you in your son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to do a little bit of background. Uh, if you know me, you know I love history. Uh, and as I was looking at this, I was like, man, I could spend just the entire service talking about the history of who Abraham is. And then I was like, but I have to provide about 200 pillows and some blankets and let everyone just hunker in and get ready. So we're not going to do the whole history lesson this morning. Um, but I can't get away from the history. So uh, in youth group, where's Stephanie? Where's Stephanie Reed? Is she in here? All right, Stephanie's back there. Stephanie in youth group, she normally sits in the front row uh, when I'm preaching. And from, from about six years ago till now, uh, I'd always start wrapping up my sermons. And I'd be like, all right, when there's seven minutes left, uh, if I'm still going, start throwing pencils at me. Um, and so if I go long on history, I'm giving everyone in the front two rows the permission to start throwing things at me so we can actually get moving into the sermon. Uh, with that being said, we're moving from the generations of the world, the generations of the nations, the generations and the story of the nation to a story of a nation. We've seen the birth of the world, and now we're going to see the birth of Israel. And it all comes with a guy by the name of Abram. Now, God changes his name to Abraham. And how many of you guys remember Sunday school? You guys all remember Sunday school? Um, there was this really cool song that we always used to sing uh, in Sunday school. I see Pastor Dennis is going like this. It went something like this. Father Abraham had many sons, right? Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them. And so are you. I brought some people to help. So let's just praise the Lord. Right arm, left arm, right foot, left foot. Father Abraham had many sons. Woo! Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them. And so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right
right foot, left foot, nod your head, turn around, Father Abraham has eight sons. Dad, Father Abraham, I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right arm, left arm, right foot, left foot, nod your head, turn around, sit down. Let's give it up for our kids and all our awesome children's church workers. Nice work, you guys. Thanks for helping me this morning. All right. Love these guys. Love these guys. Thank you, congregation, for singing, too. That was fun. That was fun. Do you guys think we should have Pastor Dave sing a song every week like that? That would be pretty fun, wouldn't it? I love it. I love it. All right. So we have Abram, and Abram is the son of Terah. And Abram and his father Terah, they live in the region of Ur. This is ancient Mesopotamia. Uh, for those of you who know Mesopotamian history uh, and, and, and Middle Eastern history, we're talking about Sumeria and Babylon, uh, one of the most ancient cultures in the world. And some sources have Terah uh, actually being the king of this region of Ur. Uh, and as a king, he was a part of a confederation of kingdoms that was actually ruled by a guy we learned about last week, a guy by the name of Nimrod. Nimrod was the king of the kings of his region, uh, and these ancient sources say that Nimrod would take all of his subjected kings, all of their firstborn sons, he'd take them into his house uh, so that he could kind of leverage the kings to do whatever he wanted them to do. Uh, and he establishes this religion, and, and Pastor Dave talked about that just a little bit last week. Uh, but this is where Abraham... Uh, is first being raised, according to these sources. Uh, and according to the sources, there was a prophecy that Abram, the son of Terah, was going to do something great. And Nimrod was not very happy about that, so Nimrod decided he was going to kill the little kid, Abram. Uh, so, you ready for a funny story? You guys ready for a funny story? So according to these sources, Terah is instructed to bring Abram to Nimrod so that Nimrod can kill Abram. Um, Terah didn't want to do this, so he wraps a watermelon up in a blanket, Brings it to Nimrod, and Nimrod takes a hammer uh, and smashes what he thought was baby Abram, but he smashes a watermelon, and it makes kind of the same noise. Uh, and he's like, all right, Abram's dead. And then so Terah leaves and goes and takes Abram and hides Abram in a cave. Uh, and the cave actually happens to be the house of Shem and Noah, and they raise Abram to the time he grew gold. Whether it happened or it didn't happen, I thought it was a funny story. Uh, if the kid's coming in, I should have brought watermelon. That would have been a good time. Um, all right, that's it. That's it. That's all the history we're getting to today. If you want more history, come tonight. Dan's ready to throw a coffee cup at me, so we're diving in. Uh, I'm going to read those first few, uh, those first four verses one more time, and this is where it says, Now Abram, uh, now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And in you, the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. What I want us to do is I want us to examine. Uh, I want us to examine some things in this call uh, from God. God is calling Abram uh, to get out and to go do something. And, and I have five real quick just examinations from this. The first is this. God calls Abram to leave the familiar leave the comfortable, to leave the confines of his home, his, his, his comfortable place, his safe place. God calls him to leave what is familiar. 
Secondly, God promises that he is going to make a new nation. God is going to uh, do something out of Abraham's seed. He's going to bless the whole world. A third observation is this. God not only is going to make a new nation, but God is going to bless Abram. And the fourth observation is this, found in verse 3, that God's power will be felt by all. God is going to bless those who bless. God is going to curse those who curse. God is not only going to directly affect Abram and his family, he's going to directly affect all those who are coming into relationship with Abram. And then we have this hope that in you the families of the earth shall be blessed. If we really look at what that is, that's a promise for Messiah. When we look at the story of Abraham and his life, God's going to promise that through his seed the world will be blessed. This seed is Messiah. And this is what I want us to, to get to. God is a God who calls us. God has called each and every single one of us. He's called us collectively as a church, and he's called us individually as people. And when we look at God's call, God's call always comes with a promise. He gives a call, and he gives a promise. And as time will tell, and we're not going to dive into the entire book of Genesis today, we're just looking at these first few verses of chapter 4, but God comes through on all of his promises. We see the birth of the nation Israel, and we see the hope of Messiah coming, and Abram, everywhere he goes, God seems to be blessing him. God is a God who calls his people. If we were to look through the entire Bible, we have Abraham, we have this call. Let's look at Moses. Moses was called to go. God would use him to lead, and God would speak for him. He calls Joshua to go, and he will go before Joshua. With Samuel, he says, go, and I will speak through you. To David, he says, go, I will fight for you. With Ezra, he says, go, I will restore you. With his disciples, he says, go, I will teach you. Paul, he says, go, I'll use you. God is a God who calls us to go, who calls us to get out, who calls us to leave the comfortable and go do something, and he tells us that he's going to do something with us. So, with this call that Abraham has, get out of your country, get away from your family, from your father's house, and go to a land that I will show you. This is his call to go out. And then what God does is he qualifies that call with these promises. And the question I want to ask us today, what about us? What is God's call for his church? What is God's call for his people? If I can have you guys turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. It's a very familiar portion of Scripture, and I think we got it up here on the screen as well. Um, but Matthew chapter 28, flipping all the way over there, it says this, picking up in verse 16. It says this, And the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Amen. So let's remember those five little examinations that we had of Abraham's call. We have this, once again, to leave the familiar... God is going to make a new nation. God is going to bless. God's power will be felt by all. And there is hope of Messiah. Now let's examine Matthew chapter 28 and God's call to the church. Because it seems kind of familiar. God says to leave the familiar. Leave the comfortable. Go into all the world. God is going to make a new nation. God is going to establish the church. This holy nation. This royal priesthood. 
God is going to not only bless, but God is going to empower us. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be what? My witnesses. God's commission, God's call, also comes with his empowering, and I think that's really, really cool. Uh, not only is God's power going to be seen by all, as we saw with Abraham, but God's witness will be seen by all. God's testimony will be seen by all and will be heard by all as we, the church, follow the call that God has for us and we go into all the world. God is going to speak through and God is going to show his power through us. And then fifth, the hope of Messiah's return. Jesus says, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. The end of the age, that's the Lord's return. So there's this messianic hope of the second coming. And what I really want us to focus on is that God is a God of patterns. When God calls, God promises. You see, with Abraham, he calls Abraham out of the familiar. Now, Abraham was raised in a region where there were false gods, a, a whole pantheon of deities, yet this one God decides to speak to him, and Abraham hears. He says, go and leave and go. And if it was just that, who knows if Abraham would have gone. Abraham may have, Abraham may have not. Hebrews tells us it was because of faith that Abraham left his father's household. But I wonder sometimes if Abraham would have been like, all right, God, okay. But then God gives him the promise, I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will bless the world through you. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. God gave him this promise, and it makes it a little bit easier for Abraham to say, okay, maybe I can, maybe I can do this. Maybe I can do this. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 28 to go into all the world. That sounds like a really big task. When I think about myself going into all the world, I can maybe go here, I can make, but in my lifetime, I can't make it across the entire globe. Collectively, the church can make it across the entire globe, but still, that's a really daunting task when we really think about it. But here's the cool part about what Jesus promises. Because we see it in Abraham's promise, and we see it in all the promises where God promises someone and calls someone to go. God says, I will go with you. How many, if I were, how many of you, if I was to ask you to quote the Great Commission, how many of you guys would start with go into the world and create or and make disciples? Would, would everyone start with the go? Go therefore into all the world? Right. That's kind of how we've been conditioned. That's kind of how we think. Go into all the world and make disciples. And, I, and, and then he says, I'm with you always into the end of the age. But we tend to skip the verse that comes right before where Jesus says this. All authority has been given to me under heaven and earth. All authority has been given to me. And then it says, go therefore. Now, you all know, when you see the word therefore in Scripture, what are you to ask? What's it there for? The reason therefore is there is because all power has been given to Jesus. And he says, go, because I have all the power. And then he ends it with, and I'm with you. That means we have the power of Jesus going with us. It acts, really breaks it down for us. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Jesus says, it's better that I leave so that I can send the helper. The helper empowers us so that we can be witnesses. So now there's no question of, can I go into all the world? Is this going to be a hard task? No, we have the power of the Holy Spirit in us. Now, it's still, it still requires faith, right? It still requires Abraham. It was faith that he went. He wasn't just going like, oh, this sounds like a great idea. No, he's going because he knows God comes through. Because God is a God of power, and when God speaks, he always comes through. 
question, what do we do when God calls us? Walk in faith. When we're talking about calling, there's some practical application. What do we do when God calls us? I think we have to look at Abraham. In verse 4 of chapter 12 of Genesis, it says, And Abram departed as the Lord had said. It doesn't say Abram went back to his father's household and thought about it, got all his affairs straightened. It says Abraham departed. Abraham, when he heard God's call and he heard God's promise, he said, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go do this. He was obedient to what God had called him to do. And obedience in the life of the believer, obedience is so key. The question could be asked, how do we measure our faithfulness? How do we measure our righteousness? How do we measure our holiness? The best measurement for these things is obedience. If you want to know if you're being faithful, are you obeying God? When he calls you to step out in faith, are you obeying? If not, well, then you're probably not being very faithful. Are you being righteous? How do I measure my righteousness? Well, God kind of shows us some things to do to be righteous. If we're not doing those things, we're not being obedient. And in line, we're not being righteous. Goes down. Faithful, righteous. You put any one of those awesome Christian qualifying words, holy, pure, blameless. The way we measure those is by our obedience. God is speaking to us. And if we believe that God speaks to us through his word, his word tells us some things. If we're not doing those things, we're living outside the obedience and outside the will of God. And we ask ourselves sometimes, man, why are things not going the way I thought they would? Why is God not blessing me in what I'm doing? Well, the question may be, are you living with inside what God has for you? Are you being obedient to what he has called you? Notice, I love this. Notice when we look at Abraham, it says, And Abraham departed as the Lord had said, and Lot went with him. He was 75-year-old when he left Haran. I think this is really cool. We have Lot, we have Sarah, these people who are going with Abram. I think as individuals, God brings people alongside of us. Sometimes God calls us, and it may seem a little bit scary, but God brings people alongside so that we have these teammates who can go with us. They can spur us on. They can affirm God's call in our life. How many of you guys have ever felt the Lord prompting you? You're like, is this the Lord? And then a brother or a sister came alongside you and was like, hey, man, I really feel like God wants us to be doing this. Anyone ever been there before? We need one another. Check this out. So we have Abram. We have Lot going with him. Moses. Moses is one of those guys that God called. Moses, who does Moses have? He has Aaron. He has Hur. He has Joshua. You guys remember the story in Exodus chapter 17 where Moses is told to hold his staff up, and as long as his arms are up, the Israelites will be winning in battle. Well, Moses isn't a superhero. He's not some superhuman strength where he can keep his arms up at all times. And his arms begin to waver, and the children of Israel start to lose the battle. Aaron and Hur, they come, they hold his arms up. Sometimes God calls us, and he also calls people to come alongside to hold up our arms. Joshua and Caleb, 
Samuel, Nathan, Gad, all these prophets doing things at the same time. We have David. David had Jonathan. If you ever want to look at a, a group of people who maybe you would want as teammates, I encourage you to go look at 1 Chronicles chapter 11. Okay, David not only had Jonathan coming alongside of him, not only the prophet Samuel, he had these guys called the mighty men. We got these mighty men. I'm just going to go over a few of these. There's a guy named Ishbal. Ishbal is one of David's mighty men. It is said of Ishbal that he killed 800 men in one time. Like, he's just going to town, and he's, he is stud. We have Eleazar, who single-handedly takes down the Philistine army when the rest of the Israelites fled. He holds his ground, and he takes on an entire Philistine army. Here's one. Abishai. Go read about Abishai. He's a pretty cool dude. Joab. These are like David's inner circle. And David says, I'm thirsty. Oh, how I would long for a drink from the well of Bethlehem. He's just kind of talking and doing his thing. And then these three guys are like, oh, man, okay, let's go do it. So these three, they just, they charge all the way through the Philistine garrison, grab a water bottle from the, the well at Bethlehem, fight their way back through hundreds of people, get to David in the cave and say, hey, David, we did it. And David's like, you guys actually did that. Wow. Okay, and then David pours out the water as a drink offering to the Lord. Like, David had some studs. I haven't even talked about Benaniah. If you're going to have a son and you're looking for a cool name, Benaniah is an awesome name because he's got an awesome story. Benaniah is said that he goes into a pit with a lion and he kills the lion with his bare hands. Not only does he do that, he kills a seven-and-a-half-foot-tall Egyptian who has six fingers and six toes and has a gigantic spear. He, he's a stud. He kills 300 people with one spear. It's pretty impressive. Um, so when I'm looking through people who I want on my team, when God calls me, I'm hoping and praying God calls some of those mighty men to come alongside me. Uh, I don't think I'm going to have to fight anyone. Um, man, Elijah, he didn't do it alone. He had Elisha with him. Ezra. Ezra had Nehemiah coming in. Paul. Paul was a stud. Paul had Barnabas, Silas, Timothy, Titus, Luke, Mark. The list goes on. And then there's us. God calls us. And when I say God calls us, he calls all of us. God's called me. And as a result, all of us are called to come alongside. God's called Dan. He's called Dan Hart. God has called each and every single one of us, and we need each other. We need each other because as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Brothers are born for times of adversity. There's been times where I've been wavering in my call, and I am so thankful to the Lord that he has brought people alongside to reaffirm what God has called in my life. People who can speak truth, people like my dad, like my mom, like Pastor Dennis, who can really come alongside and say, hey, God's called you. Don't back down. With God's calling, there's, I'm going to get a little bit nerdy, but with great power comes great responsibility, right? Spider-Man quote. Uh, God's call, when God calls us, there's responsibility to fulfill. But a question that gets asked so many times, the question is, so what happens when I step out in faith 
thinking I hear the voice of God, but then I find out it's not God. Or I realize maybe this was a good thing, but maybe this wasn't a God thing. Have any of us ever been there where we step out in faith because we think it's the Lord? Yeah? All right. Well, I, I definitely have a lot. Uh, I tend to be one of those jump and then ask questions kind of people. Um, and so what do we do when we think we hear the Lord, but it wasn't really his plan? There's three examples that I'm going to give this morning. Two uh, are, are, are all right, but I think the last one's pretty good. Let's look at Lot first, this guy who's going along with Abraham. We find out that when they come to this fork in the road, Abram's like, I'm going to go this way. This looks pretty good. And Lot's like, no, but look how rich and lush that valley is and those big cities there. I'm going to go there. Lot departs from the call, but because Lot's a righteous man, God saves him, but it's not without Lot. So sometimes we think we're going down the path God has called us on, but then we're like, but God, you see that? That looks pretty good. I'm going to go that way. Well, God, because we're righteous, he's going to save us, but there might be some loss. I want to encourage us to really seek the Lord and stay on the path he has for us so that we don't have to suffer that way. Another example could be this. Abraham, he goes down and he meets with the king Abimelech. And out of fear, Abram says to Abimelech, Sarah is my sister. Abimelech says, well, she's pretty attractive. I think I'm going to marry her. And so we see this story where Abimelech takes Sarah as his wife. And then some things are happening. And Abimelech's like, what's going on? And God says, hey, Abimelech, did you know that you've taken another man's wife? Abimelech's like, oh, what did I do, God? I didn't know. And the Lord says, because of the, the integrity of your heart, I have not allowed you to sin. Go make it right. Sometimes I think we can jump the gun. We think we hear from God. Maybe God's telling us to wait. And we're like, ah, well, this is, this is such a good thing. I'm going to go do it his way. And I think sometimes God allows us to do that. And he doesn't allow us to fall and stumble and get completely caught up in ourselves because of the integrity of our hearts. Sometimes we go do a good thing for the right reasons to honor God, but maybe it wasn't what God had for us. And because of the integrity of our heart, God keeps us from stumbling. But God says, all right, it's time to get back on track. Let's work our way back to what I have for you. Have any of you ever been there where God says, all right, this is good, but maybe you should be doing something different. Yeah. Here, here's a third one. Turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 16. It's one of my favorite stories in Scripture. It's a story I've had a lot of questions about at times. But this is what it says. Acts chapter 16, we're going to read verses 6 through 10. I have it up on the screen as well, but it says this. Now, when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. And after they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. Now Paul, Silas, and his traveling companion of awesome evangelists, they want to go share the word of God. And they go through Phrygia and Galatia. 
when they see that the fields are ripe for the harvest in Asia, they're like, this is a good thing. We're called to go into all the world. Let's go preach in Asia. And the Holy Spirit says, no. It's enough. That's, it's been a question I've had. Why did the Holy Spirit stop these amazing missionaries from going and preaching in Asia? I do find it interesting that when you look at the opening to 1 Peter, Peter's writing to the church in Asia and Bithynia and Cappadocia, this region. So I wonder if God was just holding these people for Peter to get there. I don't know. That's a different story. But the Holy Spirit is saying, no, you can't go there even though it's a good thing. And they're like, well, let's go to Bithynia. And the Holy Spirit says, no, you're not going there either. Make your way on down to Troas. And so they go to Troas. And it's in Troas that God then reveals to him not the good call, but the God call. It says this, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night, and a man from Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. God gives this vision to Paul to not go into Bithynia, which is just a few blocks down the road, but to travel all the way to Macedonia to go preach the word. You see, God calls him to go. There was the good that he could have done right there in the region, but God calls him to go. And this is so key. What does Paul do? He does the Abraham. Here's the word of the Lord. He departs. He says, and now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Sometimes, as believers, we can get very zealous about doing good things for the Lord. And I'm not here to try and crush your zeal. We, let's be zealous for the Lord. But sometimes God wants us just to sit. And sometimes God wants us to wait. Sometimes God wants us to be invested in and to find rest so that he can call us to something greater than we think we can do in and of ourselves. So the question I want to ask this morning is, where is your Troas? You see, Abram was called by God to get up and go. Disciples of Jesus, they're called to go into all the world. That means us. We're called to go into all the world. But for some of us, where is our Troas? Where we see the good, we see the good, we can do this, we can do that. Oh, no, no, no. But God's got something bigger for us. Where's the Troas? For some, it might be God has you where you are for the specific reason. You're feeling restless. I need to get a new job. I need to go do this. I need to go do this. Sometimes God is saying, hey, find rest. Be faithful in the little, and I will let you be faithful in much. Because the Troas is not something to be despised. It's how we get to where God is calling us. And remember, how do we measure if we're doing what God's called us? It's obedience. Maybe God's calling you to stay. Why are we fighting against God saying, I want to go, I want to go, I want to go. God says, wait. And I'm going to call you to something greater, to something deeper. You see, God's call is not only a general call. Go into all the world, make disciples. If you have put your faith in Jesus, that is your call. And it's not an option. It's not a suggestion. It's our commission. It's our marching orders. God has called you as a believer to make disciples. That means we share our faith. 
And I've heard it said many times, you have to preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. St. Francis of Assisi. Right? That's great. Preach the gospel with your actions. But words are necessary, too. God calls us to make disciples, teaching them to observe the things which I have commanded you. So we got to do some talking. I want to encourage you guys this. If your only friend group is just Christians and you never have contact with non-Christians, it's time to make some new friends. As followers of Christ, we need to be surrounded by people who do not know the Lord so that we can be discipling, so that we can be investing, so that we can be sharing the gospel with them. When they give their heart to the Lord, hey, let's continue to disciple them. Discipleship really isn't pre-salvation. It happens after salvation. The evangelism takes place first. But we can't disciple unless we've evangelized. People need to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, and that's our call. But not only is God's call general to his church, God has a specific call for each and every single one of us. God has called each one of his followers specifically. Now, some of those calls can be vocational ministry and stand up and preach. Others, God has called you to be a father and to lead your household, to be the priest of your household. For some of you, God has called you to be the best employee you can be where you are at because you might be the only Jewish someone ever sees. Maybe you're a student. And you're like, I don't know why I decided not to go to university. I decided I'd go to community college. I don't know. I had the scholarship, but I decided. I just felt maybe God's called you to community college so that you can be a witness for him at the community college campus. God has a call for each of us. And I want to encourage you to seek God out. Maybe you're hearing this and you're like, well, I've never received a call from the Lord. Maybe you're in your trails right now, and God wants you to seek him out. I guarantee Paul just didn't go to Troas and was bummed out, like, all right, God, I guess I'm not preaching the gospel anymore. He's in Troas. He's like, God, I want to go to Bithynia. God's like, all right, no, you're going to go to Macedonia. I encourage each and every single one of us to seek out the Lord in prayer and reading the word. What is my call? And then when God gives you that call, maybe he uses a brother or a sister, maybe he speaks to you through his word, maybe through your quiet time, be obedient to that call. Find some people, share the call with someone. Have them rally alongside you. Because here at Hillside and the body of Christ in general, we want to champion the call of God in your life. Maybe God's called you to go plant a church. We want to talk to you we want to come alongside you. Maybe God's called you to start a food cart. We want to work with you. Maybe God's called, whatever the call is, we want to champion that. And so before we go to the communion table, which we're going to do here in just a few moments, so I'm going to invite uh, the elders and those who are going to serve communion. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up, uh, and, and we're, we're going to do some worship. But what I want us to do is I want us just to spend a few moments in prayer. And we're going to pray the call of God in our lives. Amen? Now, I'm going to invite everyone to stand, and after we pray, then I'm going to dismiss folks uh, to, to, to go and to take communion. And I'm going to encourage you, when, when you take the bread uh, and when you take the, the cup of juice, take it back to your seat, and we'll partake together. Um, 
But let's pray right now, uh, and let's seek the Lord for his call in our lives. Dear God, we thank you that you are a God who calls us. God, thank you for giving us the example with Abraham, where you called him to leave the familiar, you called him to leave the comfortable, and you promised him that you would bless him, that you would make his name great, and that the world would be blessed through him. God, I thank you that you didn't just stop your calling business with Abraham, but you called all throughout history, and you call us today. God, I thank you that you are with us. You will never leave us nor forsake us. And you've given us your spirit, and you've called us to go into the world. God, I pray right now for each and every single one of us that you would fill us with more boldness to fulfill the commission. But God, I want to pray even more, even more poignantly, for the individual call that you have on each of our lives. God, I pray that right now you would be giving vision. Like you gave Paul when he was in Troas. God, give your people vision. God, I pray that you would call. God, I pray that even today, people would call, would, would, would feel the call to the mission field. That people would feel the call to children's ministry. I pray that you would be empowering people even now for the call. Because you're a God who always comes through. And you don't just call us, but you promise us that you'll work with us. And so, God, we want to work with you to see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So, God, I pray right now that you would encourage, that you would build up. God, I pray that you would even be raising up people to come alongside. That you'd even be giving those people now the vision of not the goer, but the one who's going to hold the arms. God, we thank you for your call. And God, we pray that we would have the strength to be obedient. Build us up in our faith. Help us spur each other on a good work. So God, we thank you and we praise you in your son's wonderful name, Jesus Christ. And all God's people say, amen, amen, amen. You can make your way down to the front now to receive communion, and then we'll receive it all together.